0: Side, Jeff Smith, he didn't get there. footballs the football. Oklahoma
1: takes over.
0: Oklahoma- hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, OU Fan Edition, because it is Monday and it is almost six o'clock. I've had a ton of crap to do today. Uh, it's just been uh, just another Monday. I'm sure everybody's already over there Mondays as well. So hopefully this inside OU podcast finds you in a good relaxing mood because it is time to get ready for yet another week of waiting and waiting and waiting. I mean, for big 12 media day in mid July, which is the, I guess the official kickoff of the 2021 season. And then even still, it's about a month later, you know, we still have uh, fall camp news that comes out. And then of course the games in early September. So we're almost there everybody, but hopefully these inside OU podcasts help you out. Uh, on your weight. And then, of course, you can always check out the Through the Keyhole Patreon page uh, that Keegan, Renault, and I do. It's just an extra podcast along with extra OU football content, film reviews, written articles, fun stuff. You know, just uh, it's basically Keegan and I's little outlet for OU football other than the Inside OU podcast. It's just $4 a month, I believe, or $5 a month, depending on what you're wanting to give in order to get the content. We would greatly appreciate it if you checked it out. And then, of course, on Inside OU Podcast, basically on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you haven't already, please leave a five-star review or whatever review you deem necessary, and we would greatly appreciate that. We're up to 119, I believe. We'd love to get up to 150 by the beginning of the season, so it helps the show out, helps us out, helps spread the word, and that's what we're all about, is trying to get to as many people as possible. But uh, in the meantime, it is the OU Fan Edition for Monday, we've got a very special guest. Uh, shout out to Ryan from last week. Thank you so much, Ryan, for a great show. We've had great guests on thus far. we got another one coming up, Mr. Alex Philbrick. And if I, if your Twitter account is correct, you are coming to us podcast, quote unquote, live from Arkansas. Yep. Little Rock, Arkansas. Little Rock, Arkansas. So, uh, I mean, just right off the bat, transplant, are you in school for something particular? Are you from Oklahoma? We're parents OU fans like what what's the OU fan story here yeah it's the uh it's the
1: parents thing so my dad is has always been an OU fan he grew up an Air, an Air Force brat so he moved around a lot but he lived his uh his junior high and high school years in uh in Oklahoma in Altus Oklahoma so those oh, wow. and he's a big sports fan so those are his formative years as a fan and so he fell in love with the Sooners and then I just adopted all my teams for him. So, yeah, I've, I've, I'm born and raised in Little Rock, though. I've always lived here.
0: Hell, yeah. I mean, dad sounds like a smart guy. Sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, my dad was in the Air Force, too. He, uh, With what job that he had, he didn't necessarily have the pick of the litter in terms of what bases he could request to be stationed at. So, basically, like, uh, he built bombs. Tinker Air Force Base doesn't have a bomb dump, so he couldn't be stationed at Tinker, which is obviously right in the middle of Oklahoma. It's where we're from. Uh, not Midwest city, but we're from Oklahoma, very close to all the family, of course, but we could never really look to tinker as like our dream destination. If anyone's ever had Oklahoma as a dream destination, but when you're in the air force moving around all the time, like that was a uh, truth for us, but little Rock, Arkansas, like that air base has a bomb dump. And that was basically as close as we could get next to Dias air force base, uh, which is where we lived at for about six years in Abilene, Texas. And so we were probably one of the few people in the country Alex, that we're waited, waiting with bated breath every time my dad's tour came up, and wherever we were living is please, Little Rock, Arkansas. Please, please <laughs> send us to Little Rock, Arkansas. We just want to see our family, but uh, unfortunately, that was never never the case. I'm sure Little Rock is very lovely, though. Yeah, it's it's a it's fine. It's a it's a good city. I guess I don't know
1: anything. I don't know any difference, but I like it fine.
0: No, I mean, there's nothing wrong with sticking around where you're from. I mean, uh, again, like as an Air Force brat. There are a lot of positives that I learned over the years from that experience, but I would have liked to have the same friends from first grade, second grade on like that would have been kind of nice too, but, uh, it wasn't yeah. the life I was given. It's the life you were given. So, I mean, we're all, just... the best. what's up. You made the best of it. Exactly. You just got to make the best of it, which is what we're going to do, uh, today, tomorrow, the next day, and hopefully it works out for everybody, but let's get right down to brass tacks, and that is OU football. And you know, kind of while we're on the subject of your dad, uh, I, I guess like we'll just we'll just start there. When you were growing up, because my dad had a lot of stories about OU football um, when I was growing up, even when I was a young kid and didn't necessarily have the attention span to care about football. You know, I just wanted to go outside and play sports. I didn't want to sit down and watch it for three hours. But you know, like my dad raised me on the whole. I hate the Miami Hurricanes. They beat us three consecutive years. We went 33-3, and three, and those were our only losses, so I hate Miami. Uh, of course, OU Texas hates uh, how good Marcus Dupree was. So, like, Barry Switzer's the king. You know, like, those are all stories and names that I remember from my childhood even before I was, quote-unquote, an OU fan. But, I mean, do you have anything similar about your dad just kind of chirping it up with you, like, growing up, trying to kind of nudge you into, like, come on, watch this so we can connect on this? Absolutely. I mean, like you said, the uh... – talking about the eighties and all
1: that stuff and how great they were with Switzer and uh, a little bit of like the late seventies, like he's he'll joke now, but about like, I can't remember. I want want to say it was 76 or 70. I can't remember which one when when, the Oregon in the uh, orange bowl, like
0: 31 to six or something like that. Yeah. It was a 1977 orange bowl. I believe it was. Yeah.
1: But also a lot about like how horrible the nineties were uh like i mean i was born in 92 I, I, how old are you
0: i was born in 1990 so i'm 30 so i'm just two I'm two or a year and a half older than you Because my first season like that i remember like watching games and
1: like rooting for like knowing like oh i'm an oe fan was two? was 2000 um yeah it was like you know i he, like from then and then in a few years after that he kind of because i was like oh this is this is all i know so like we, we win every game and we're the- <laughs> oh you don't you don't know we came out of some dark times now but yeah but pretty similar i listening to uh not to go on too long but listen just listening to your podcast over the past year or two whatever i feel like we have a lot of similarities as in uh, as far as our ou fandom goes oh boy uh, age is like is one a big thing but like Hearing you talk, you know a lot about, like, the history and, like, players of, like, the early 2000s and all that stuff. You're very familiar with that, and I'm very much the same way. And uh, it's not like, it's not just, like, a, not that saying that a lot of you fans are like this, but just, like, the Lincoln Riley era or the past six or 70, whatever. It's, like, I remember, like, the Superman – I remember watching the Superman play as, as a 10-year-old, like all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I feel like we're, we're pretty similar. And, like, the, how, how you talk about the 2008 team being your favorite team, until 2017, that was, I was the same way about, see that that my favorite OU team was the 2018, but uh, yeah, so I think our our fathers both had a a big impact on our fandom for sure.
0: Yeah, exactly, and you know, kind of what I, my little thought exercise is to try to explain to, I mean, not necessarily you, because we're about the same age, but like younger people that I interact with on Twitter, so you're talking about kids who are kids, young adults that are in their early 20s or even in their late teens that I talk to, and they don't, You know they don't have a an actual live memory of the Roy Williams play in two thousand the two thousand one OU Texas game. They don't have a they don't have a memory of OU destroying Seneca Wallace and Iowa State when they came to town in two thousand two and they ruined his Heisman campaign. Yeah. And so what I usually try to do is just imagine if Twitter was a thing back in those days. Like Twitter would have lost its shit if it was around when Roy Williams took the leap and got Chris Sims. Like it would have just broken. Like, that was two top five teams playing in the game of the the week, Uh, had gigantic national title aspirations, even though uh, neither team that year made the national championship. Uh, But it was an incredibly fun defensive game. You know, there wasn't a lot of offense. But Roy's play, like, that stands the test of time, even, even up to this point, as one of the few rare, exciting plays that anyone's probably ever seen. And if Twitter was a thing, like, just the videos, the hyperbolic like oh my god what did we just watch like that would have just been incredible but I mean you're kind of talking about it how a lot of people are just not necessarily stuck with the Lincoln Riley era but a lot of OU fans that have kind of cut their teeth on late Bob Stoops years then Lincoln Riley you know along with social media that's just that's their wheelhouse, and it's really hard to go back, just because we're so used to having every single bit of information available to us. Mm-hmm. That stuff from the '90s or the '80s that requires a little bit more digging, and it's not as easily accessible. It just doesn't seem like. I mean, I, I'm, look, I'm not trying to put anybody down. It just it doesn't seem very relevant to a lot of younger people, and I, I understand that, but I would just. Really try to encourage people like when you have time and there's nothing else you have to do on that day like read bootleggers boy by Barry Switzer read like the undefeated about the Wilkinson undefeated years like it's just interesting and fascinating how different the game is how similar the game is and truly how great the program OU has over the last 60 70 years.
1: Yeah. And to, uh, just to touch on like the Superman thing one more time, like the obviously the play itself is the best part of it, of that whole thing. But the like Brent Musburger's call also yeah. right after it happens is awesome. He's like, that's why he's the best, the number one safety in all of the land or whatever. Just it's like, about that but yeah you're right i mean i remember reading bootleggers boy in like probably seventh grade seventh eighth grade something like that learning a bunch of stuff about that and like his relationship with the balls i always thought that was the most interesting part to me about that book but yeah you're right it's there's so much to dig into if you're an ou fan and you're interested in that kind of thing so i that's me and so i always enjoyed enjoyed doing that also yeah
0: and i'll get this you know off the bat as well uh you said that we were fairly similar in our OU fandom. I hope that that's not hundred percent true because I'm insane and <laughs> I don't wish that crazy, you know, we don't need to get into everything about me because this is your show today. Uh, but I, I would not wish that stress and anxiety on anybody else. You don't have to wish
1: it on me. It, it was, it was, <laughs> yeah, it, it's already, it's been, it's been a part of me since I don't know, since I was a seven or eight year old kid or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, we have, I think we have a lot of similarities, not, a hundred percent of similarity not a hundred percent but there's one thing that i do want to ask you about at some point uh that we don't have in common as far as our fandom goes but we can do that later.
0: oh hell, hell i mean you said it like, again this is your show I, i've got some questions that i kind of ask all the guests so uh let's just take that opportunity go ahead and ask
1: okay so it's about your feelings towards bob stoops <laughs> i'm not saying that you that they're like illegitimate you shouldn't feel that what it, it i'm not saying that at all I just I just don't know the reason why I've heard you reference that many times, but I've never heard like the specific reasons why I would guess it has to do with how things kind of fizzled out towards the end of his his uh, tenure before the before Lincoln got there for those couple of years. But that's what that was the main thing that I wanted to ask about you.
0: Okay, well, you know, for. The listeners who know the answer to this question, I'll, I'll just say this right now. I'll be very, I'll try to be very quick. Cause again, this is Alex. This is Alex's day. It doesn't need to necessarily be me, but you know, Alex, you have a question so I'll, I'll do my best to answer it as concise as possible. Uh, college football, college sports. It's, it's a cycle. It's a, it's a long game. So what you do on the field today, you know, that of course matters, but it also has, it also has influence on players coming out of high school which of course will help you down the road. So you have to constantly be in this time and space mode of, I have to be on, on everything at every single point during the day. And like Nick Saban does that, that guy eats shits and breathes college football. And that's one of the many reasons why he's the best coach to ever coach college football uh, bar none, uh, because he does not take days off. He does not work nine to five. He does not like, okay, it's family time. I'm going to go home. Even though there's a five-star that wants to come talk to me. Um, he adapts to the game of football. He, he at one point didn't want to do air raid stuff. He at one point didn't want to do no huddle stuff. And now look at Alabama because he, he understands and is smart enough to let go of his ego in order for the betterment of the program and the betterment of his career. So um, that's Nick Saban. Bob Stoops is a very good human being. He is a very good person. He values his family. He values his time with them. He values a lot of things outside of the game of football. But when you are just a fan, I don't care about that, especially when recruiting starts to fall off because that affects you down the road, especially when play on the field starts to deteriorate in terms of can't beat this team, can't be that team, can't beat that team, can't get to that game. Um, look, I understand I'm a spoiled OU fan. I'm an absolutely spoiled OU fan. OU has been so good even in the years that I deem not as good. Uh, They are still one of the premier programs in all of college football. Uh, But the way Bob kind of took a cruise control mentality on recruiting, that affected the team in the last part of his career. And then, of course, it affected him after he had already retired because Lincoln Riley was handed a Swiss cheese defense that he did not recruit. He did not develop. And uh, that takes a long time to get uh, to basically get over. Uh, Alex Grinch getting here in 2019 we saw the immediate improvements but there was no doubt like he was working with a, a roster that he did not recruit he did not develop and he basically made the best out of a situation that he was given so it takes years and years and years and in the meantime with all that OU did not win a title with Baker or Kyler and typically when quarterbacks like that come through a program they usually win a ring and so that was that was like the long part of the story, but the whole like we're better than most after the 2014 Baylor game, that was when I was like, okay, just, if that's how you view it, then walk off into the sunset, all these wins, great. Winning as coach coaching college and OU history. So allow OU to go find a guy. And I knew full, full well, then. It's not guaranteed that OU was going to find someone better than Bob. And at this point, Lincoln is not better than Bob. I, I, He does a lot of things that I like more than how Bob did in the end of his career, but it's very similar to what Bob was doing in the beginning of his career. So Lincoln is liable to do the same kind of cruise control stuff. If he's here for 10 plus years, that's just kind of how it happens. Nick Saban is an absolute outlier. So uh, that's basically it. Just his fingerprints were on the team after he was gone and it affected the team positively because Bob is a winner and people respect him that helps but also negatively in terms of the defense and you know we all know why so that that's it hopefully that answered your question
1: yeah I mean that, I think that's fair I mean all those things it sounds like it's more so like the what he did from like probably I, I would say 2011 until he was done and then also like the uh the effect that the things that he did during those times had on like 16, 17 season, 17, 18 seasons, I guess, uh, 2017, 2018. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that all makes sense for sure. I don't, and, and I feel, I agree with all those things that, that you said really, I just, I guess I don't, feel as hard I'm not as harsh on him about it but maybe I should be
0: (laughs) oh no 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 no. again I I don't wish this crap on anybody and look like the whole if I ever say like I hate Bob like a lot of that's just in jest just because I I, I it gets a reaction out of Keegan it gets a reaction out of whoever I'm talking to I don't hate Bob Bob's he's you know he's the coach who got me into OU football and for that I'm always going to be thankful Uh, he's the winningest coach in program history and I care about stuff like that uh, and just like I said, at the beginning, he's a great human being. I mean, there have been great coaches all over the country in the history of college football. And some of them have been just frankly shit human beings. And so I'm thankful that Bob is, you know, that he has the type of character that he has and his former players that played under him, you know, will live and die by him. And yep. that, that means a lot. And, you know, not, nothing against Barry Switzer and I mean, Bud Wilkinson's, he passed away in the mid nineties, but uh, you know, Switzer, you know, his players will live and die by him as well, but it was just a completely different personality that didn't necessarily, uh, you know, towards the end of his career age very well. But of course, time has been much more kinder to Barry Switzer in terms of how we kind of look back at that era, understanding that, you know, just today, like the Springport was like, yeah, this is stupid that we can't pay these kids. This is stupid. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hopefully we get closer and closer to the biggest thing, the biggest, most important thing that every OU fan should be thinking of right now after what the Supreme court said, uh, what Rep Bomar did was not wrong. So let's welcome him back with open arms. Like it just let, let him get paid for stuff that he's not working for. Who cares?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously Bob did a lot of great things that, he, that goes without saying, but I will always be, uh, I will always especially appreciate him being able to him hiring Lincoln, obviously as the OC and then him saying, being able to see like, this is probably the best time for me to step down, hand it over to him. I'll get to pick my, my uh, successor. And I think he's the right guy. And I think that's a uh, obvious yeah. thing for the program. So,
0: yeah, it's, it's incredibly rare. I mean, the only time I could ever think of something somewhat similar is when Bobby Bowden stepped down from Florida state and gave the keys to Jimbo Fisher when Florida state still had a lot of talent. And they, of course uh, they want a title uh, with James Winston and, uh, and Jimbo Fisher, but uh, even then like Bobby Bowden retired because he was old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He like Bob still had like there before he retired in June, 2017. If somebody asked me like, how long do you think Bob's going to coach? I would say at the earliest after Baker Mayfield, like is done playing football after this season. And at the latest, I could see him coaching into the early 2020s because after Baker's here, then it's going to be Kyler Murray. And and back then, none of us thought Kyler was going to win the Heisman in one year and bolts. Like we, I kind of thought Kyler will be the quarterback at OU for two years. It'll take him a year to kind of get the, get the gist of being the QB one. And then second year will be like Kyler Murray unlocked, but Kyler Murray was an absolute phenom the day he stepped on the field. So shame on me. So uh, Bob had a long time still to coach. I mean, he's still, you know, doing the big noon kickoff thing. He coached in the XFL for a year. if he wanted to coach, he could have coached for another five or six years, but it's truly unique and special. What Bob did in terms of stepping down and giving the keys to Lincoln, because um, I, I think as time goes on, like I, I'm going to hurt myself here. I think OU is going to win a national title in the next three years. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe one, hopefully two or three. That would be uh, amazing. Uh, but i think it they'll at least win one in the next 3 years and i think that that will kind of further that legacy of bob stepping down giving the keys to lincoln and any bad things he did according to me and he, he of course he didn't do anything bad it was just sure. it was my spoiled ass going i want more i want more i demand more as a fan and i just simply didn't get it so i just stomped my feet around like a little 5 year old boy who didn't get his way i'll admit that but if ou wins a national title that'll kind of Okay, like I, I I'm done complaining about Bob. So there's yeah, that about
1: about if that happens, how it would kind of reflect even it would make uh, Bob's legacy look even a little bit better. I hadn't thought of that. And like you said, how it's rare for it to work out for a legendary coach, the, the end of his career to be as smooth and as go as well as as Bob did. Because you mentioned Bowden, but you think about guys like uh like Lloyd Carr. Philip uh, Phil Fulmer like they're not the, they're not the same caliber coach that Bob Stoops was but yeah they were successful at their school they both won national championships and their end of their 10 years as head coach and for Fulmer as AD were like very were ugly and like that they, they uh the, those fan bases don't look back on those guys like
0: like OU fans do Bob Stoops yeah. no you're exactly right it's it's just another reason to be very lucky that you're an OU fan and Look, I, I get tired of the put-downs about how OU chokes in title games or playoff games. Like, that does get old, and it, it is, you know, when you dwell on it, it is just kind of frustrating when you think of 2003, 2004, 2008, the playoff appearances. Like, OU has just been so close, and in a way, it just kind of makes it worse. You know, I, I, I always believe that you have to get there first, and I would rather get to a national title game or a playoff game and lose by 100 points and win the cotton bowl you know, unless circumstances were kind of rare like last last year's team did not need a playoff experience going into this year they needed a big t- like they needed a new Year six bowl win to catapult them into this year so there are of course like nuances that go against what i just kind of said but uh everything kind of going into like this year you know it, it bobs fingerprints are off the team but they're very much still I, I, like the influence is still there. And then if OU does win a national title, then of course that, like you said, will reflect even better on Bob and his decision, ultimate decision. Um, and, and like, I don't want this to turn into like the Barry Switzer sucked at the end hour. Cause he didn't. Uh, but I mean, he resigned due to a lot of reasons and he talks about it in bootlegger's boy. Um, there's no doubt that probation and scholarship limitations, bowl bans, and all the criminal act. I don't want to say everybody was, wrong or breaking the law on that team but there was quite a bit of criminal activity that went down in the late 80s and that is of course how one program or one coaching era can end Mm -hmm. it's a realistic scenario and that's not how Bob's ended so it's I'm very thankful like even when I complain like it's just sometimes it's just fun sometimes it's just very cathartic to just I need to release this for a second or if I'm reminded of the the Rose Bowl Uh, I I knew I knew you were going to bring this up at some point. Yeah. I just but, knew it. Mike shouldn't have been there. Mm, let Lincoln kick his own DC. Oh, well, you know, that's in the past. So hopefully we can look to this year. It's uh, in the past. Yeah, (laughs) hopefully we can look to this year with a lot more success. Today's episode is brought to you by Christie's Toy Box, an Oklahoma City tradition since 1979. With over 15 store locations spread all over Oklahoma and even in North Texas and Missouri, Christie's Toy Box has you covered like a Jimmy hat for all your toy desires of the adult nature. It's 2021. Come on in sometime. Their website has been revamped to match the sleek and sexy style one would assume from Christie's Toy Box. It's easy to use and lends itself well to any mobile device, so you don't have to get in trouble at work and use your computer. The shopping experience is amazing, and the only thing that will bite are these nipple clamps. Type in promo code OUPOD for 25% off everything in your shopping cart. Once again, that's capital O, capital U, capital P, O, D for 25% off whatever you want to spice up your love life or your private reflection period. It's also a fun place to take your mind off things if your favorite team has one inexplicable loss a season. Gee, I wonder who that could mean. One more time, enter promo code OUPOD for 25% off online purchases. Christie's Toy Box, where the fun begins. Now, Alex, now it's my turn to ask you a few questions, uh, and we'll just start off with an easy softball one. Uh, Your favorite player growing up.
1: I'm Adrian Peterson like no doubt.
0: That's I mean, a great answer.
1: I was uh, 12 years old his freshman year and I, it was, I hadn't gotten into like the recruiting side of things really at all yet but uh, I could I like, vividly remember my dad and I were in Oklahoma visiting one of his his buddies and who was also an OU fan and he uh, he's like have y'all heard about this this running back that's coming to that's going to be on a be a, a sooner next year and we we're like no he's like gets on his computer pulls no he's like he's supposed to be like the next just you know whatever and he's like look out look at him like look at these pictures of him he's in high school and all the stuff like he's so I was like okay well, cool we've got this guy and then obviously right out the gate he was just you know unlike anything I had ever seen at that point and yeah I remember thinking like like looking back on it, it it's like at the time I was like oh he he's the best thing I've ever seen I've never seen anything like him because he's just that much better than everybody. And then like a few years later, I kind of like looked back and thought, well, like that was probably, I probably felt that way because I was so young and, 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 you know, impressionable. But then as I got even older than that, I realized, no, that's just because that was, that, that, that was true for him. Like he wasn't yeah. just that special of a, of a player, but uh, yeah, he, he would definitely have to be my answer. But I mean, Baker's a close second, but yeah, I'd have to say Adrian Peterson.
0: Yeah. I mean, AD is going to be my favorite player of all time that I've seen live. Um, I mean, regardless of sport, you know, I've had the opportunity to cover the Thunder over the last few years. So I've seen LeBron in person. I've seen Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook. Adrian Peterson's the best player I've ever seen. Uh, just incredible. And you, you, you said it like he's an 18 year old, you, you know, or just formerly 17 years old had his high school prom like a few months before and he's the best player on the field. And he didn't even start his first few games. Like Keewan Jones was a starter in 2004. And I, I understand that. Like I understand Bob's decisions. Like, you know, you got, he he clearly looks awesome in practice, but you never know when the lights come on and it's actual game day, how an 18 year old freshman is going to handle 90,000 people screaming for him or against him. And so I'm not crapping on key Jones starting or anything like that, but it was just like we were witnessing something truly special and we got to watch him play for, I mean, technically about two years considering all the games that he missed due to injury, but three years of like, he's the best, he's the baddest mofo in the land. And he, he's an Oklahoma sooner. And from now until the end of time, and even seeing him at the, uh, all those pictures of him at the barbecue over the weekend, I mean, next to Sam Bradford, which is another, you know, like favorite of mine. Of course, I wrote about him on the post on Patreon earlier today. But seeing AD and Sam Bradford in the same picture is almost kind of criminal in that AD, if you had came back for your senior year, Sam Bradford would have been handed it off to you and DeMarco Murray split out wide. Oh yeah. it's been too much, yeah. man.
1: I, I actually was I was on the um the rewatch Zoom last night with Keegan and I actually said to him I, before it started, I, I was Interested in how many of the recruits that were there this past weekend, like mentioned, uh, that it was like the coolest thing was beating, uh, like getting to talk to Adrian Peterson. You know, I was just, I wouldn't have expected that from like 16, 17, 18 year old, uh, kids. I mean, not not that it's that far removed. And obviously, he's an NFL all time great, so he's relevant well beyond his college years. And a lot of them are probably from Texas, so that connection too, but yeah thought you know i would have heard more about oh cd kyler you know hollywood all that stuff over but there was like he was the most common answer i felt like of the stuff that i read at least so i thought that was interesting but also i should mention uh i'm a like me and my dad are vikings fans like before like i remember watching like being a vikings fan before i remember being a sooners fan so it wasn't because ad but it's like i mean whenever they drafted him Like, me and my dad were jumping up and down, (laughs) hugging. Like, it was as if we had just won, like, the Big 12 Championship game or something. We were so happy. And so, obviously, he's just been – feels like he's part of our family, even though we never met him. Yeah.
0: No, I can imagine that, like, five-minute period of time of – because I think he was the seventh pick in the 07 draft. And that five-minute period of, like, the sixth pick that's just been announced – and everybody kind of knows, like, all right, 80's the next guy off the board, and it's going to the Minnesota Vikings, and he's going to the Minnesota Vikings. And if you're a Vikings fan and an OU fan, you're just kind of like basking in that awesome, badass feeling of, oh my God, we're getting the best player in this draft right now. And this is, he's coming to our team. And yeah, I mean, I became a Vikings fan because I'm a, a Miami Dolphins fan, which basically means I'm an NFL OU fan by proxy. <laughs> uh, now, the Dolphins could be pretty good this year who knows who knows but uh Tua keeps throwing picks in the uh, offseason apparently but um you know He's like <laughs> his uh eight 80s vikings run uh during his career was I mean, that that mvp season was so much fun and incredible still kind of salty he didn't get like what nine extra yards to break eric dickerson's record yep. eh, but you no know, like i'm not gonna out this person because i love him but we actually had a little bit of this kind of conversation over the weekend about 80 and his relationship with potential recruits about how, well, I mean, he played at OU in the early to mid two thousands. He's been in the NFL. He's still in the NFL, but he's, you know, for the last two or three years, he's been a third down back. Um, I mean, I know he's a starter with Detroit or he was last year, uh, but he's, you know, he's, he's well beyond his prime and, if he retired today it would not shock anybody. If he retires in three years, that wouldn't shock anybody because he runs all damn day. But I think eighties kind of like in the whole conversation was like, do recruits even care or know, or understand how great he truly is even because he's kind of out of that social media frame of mind to a lot mm-hmm. of these 17 year olds. And I kind of put it as he's in the same breadth uh, as like a Barry Sanders and that he transcends time. Like if a, if Barry Sanders walked up to a recruit that was considering OSU and Arkansas, and this is a badass running back recruit, and Barry Sanders like puts in a good word, like that 17-year-old is going to know who he is and just go, sure. like, this is one of the, the goats. This is one of the greatest of all time uh, to ever play the game. And I, I think 80s in that category of, it doesn't matter who, what age kid he's talking to, as long as that kid knows that's Adrian Peterson, they'll be like, oh my God.
1: Yeah. No, yeah, I think... There's no no doubt, and obviously both of them, they're both top five NFL backs of all time. So that has a big, uh, like that carries a lot of weight too. Whenever, as far as younger kids know that didn't get to watch him, you know it is prime. That 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 carries a lot of weight with them too. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. For but for guys like Sanders and Adrian Peterson.
0: And I've I've said my favorite AD game. I think over the last I think about three or four through the keyhole podcast ago I talked about the 06 Oregon game and especially the fourth quarter as like my favorite quintessential Adrian Peterson game I mean do you have a quintessential AD game is it 04 Texas is it any of his OSU games where he ran for like 250 yards like what 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 holds a special place in your memory
1: Mm, that's a good question I can't I don't know that I can think of like one game but the 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 one run that always that i always think of is the against Oklahoma state when he like but once he got past on a scrimmage it was as if they had four defensive players on the field it's like he got past on a scrimmage and he was in wide open and i think it was probably like a 75 or 80 yard touchdown run but it was like he just made one cut and got through and then it was like somebody was trying to chase him down, which I mean, obviously that was an absolute waste of time, but it's like, he was just separating from this defensive back. And it's like, by the time he scores, he's the only player in this, on the screen, like on the on the TV screen. Cause he's just, he's just like running away from this guy so much, but uh, I, I should probably think of what the, my, my like AD favorite AD game is, but that that's the run that I always think of. It, it wasn't like, it's not like he did a bunch of crazy stuff, like a beast mode type run, but it was just like he was just so much superior to everybody. And he just yeah. being the old, running everyone out of the screen, that's just what always stands out in my mind.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, like 2005 gets forgotten for a lot of reasons. Like I understand the team, it went eight and four, they were reloading and 80 got hurt and missed about four or five games that year. But that, that road game in Lincoln against Nebraska where he had the I'm back on his back pad written out. Uh, that pregame picture was awesome. Um, and then even his performance, I think he had like two twenty-five and two touchdowns that game. And it actually is the only time OU's beaten Nebraska and Lincoln since I've been alive. Um, and of course, a lot of that's kind of attributed to the uh, OU sucked in the nineties. Uh, Nebraska was Alabama good in the nineties. And once the big 12 was formed, OU played Nebraska twice every four years. And so they didn't have a lot of opportunities to play in Lincoln. Once Bob got to, came to town and OU got really good and Nebraska started to fall off. I think that was the only time they only beat Nebraska and Lincoln since in 1988 or 87, whenever uh would have been I think eighty eight, when OU went to the Orange Bowl to lose to Miami for the national championship. So um that performance, you know, gets forgotten because of the season that it came down too. But when you think about like the OU know, Nebraska rivalry, you no know, eighty put his mark on that one too, even though people just only remember the OSU games or the Texas games so uh AD certainly you know just just a badass but my next question to you Alex is going to be you know the the part where you can be as corny as you want to but since you are a transplant Oklahoma fan you might have an interesting answer to this but um what does being an OU fan living in Little Rock Arkansas what does that mean to you um uh I don't,
1: what do you mean as far as living living in Little Rock Arkansas
0: well, I mean, just, uh, mo- like I remember a time when I was an air force brat living all over the map and it was always kind of a unique thing to be an OU fan because, you know, like I would tell people oh, I'm from Oklahoma and the first thing that they would say, cause this is of course, well before the Oklahoma city thunder were thing, uh, they'd just be like, Oh, you're a Sooners fan. So I was labeled an OU fan well before I was even, I even considered myself like a big OU fan. And so that kind of added to the whole defensive mindset of when OU would lose and people would give me crap about it. Like I would get like, uh, uh, like I'm not, I'm not standing for this. So like that experience compared to when my dad retired and we moved to Norman cause I eventually wanted to go to OU, uh, where everybody's an OU fan. Like it was, it was kind of a culture shock because I was no longer kind of, I was the OU fan. That's how people kind of knew me when I was a kid. I was just one of zillions of other OU fans. So, um, you know, you living in Arkansas, like, being Boomer Sooner and all that, I can imagine, like, people around you kind of give you crap, you know, because uh, SEC or whatever, like, go, you know, Pig Suey, even though they haven't done crap ever, you know, except for the Orange Bowl in 77. They got that one, so cool. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just curious, like, you not living in Oklahoma, being around a bunch of non-OU fans, what is that experience like, and what does it mean to you? Yeah.
1: Um- yeah, I mean, like you said, I get just like the normal crap that you would think from friends or whoever. Whenever I say I'm an OU fan, it's like, oh, or I wear an OU hat. It's like, what? What are you wearing the ugly hat for? Some stupid. I'm just like, okay. Um, but I mean, it. it it's never been. It, I think it's probably helped by Arkansas not being very good. Like you said, like if I was in Alabama, I would. I feel like I would probably get more crap because they could have like something. Their fans would have something to fall back on, like success wise, um, but. It's people who know me know why I'm an OU fan. And so it's like that they know that I'm not like bandwagon or anything like that, even though that would kind of be a weird bandwagon choice, I guess. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, they, they know why. And but when you say like, what does it mean to you? The first thing I think is like, that's like a, the strongest like bond that me and my dad have. And now my brother, too, as he's gotten older, uh, is like it was sports in general, but it's specifically OU um watching the OU games together, going to OU games together. Over the past four or five years, we've gone to like three or four games a year. We've driven up for like three or four games a year. Um, so like that's a like a a central focus of like uh, our relationship. And so like that's the and I know it's like you like you said, you can be as corny as you want, but I mean it's true, but it's still kinda of a little bit corny to say, but um that's that's the, kind of what it means to me, obviously. Uh Outside of just like the and how much I love sports and football in general, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's what means the most about it to me.
0: No, well, Alex, we should have recorded this shit yesterday, it would have been perfect for Father's Day <laughs> with that. <laughs> no, I mean, it, <laughs> I'm sure zillions of people, OU fans, can connect, connect with that. The I want to pretend the zillions of listeners to this podcast. I, I mean, I, I've got an idea of how many people listen to it, and I'm very happy with that number, but it's not zillions but I'm sure a lot of people listening to this episode can connect that with that as well. And no, I'm very much looking forward to, uh, the day OU wins a national title. And I can just look at my dad and say, I love you, dad. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I know I don't, I hate to even, I don't want to be the one to even mention this,
1: but like, I looked at my dad and I was like, sorry, dad. After the, after the Georgia game, like Sony Michelle ran in and uh, we were just sitting there and I was just like, sorry, dad. It's like, what did he do? Like, well, why, why am I apologizing to him? But it's just, it's kind of the same sort of thing. Yeah. But- it,
0: there's been a whole bunch of uh, like, you know, like when OU's lost the, the Florida game in 2008 for the national title, or even like one of the playoff games. And I'll just kind of, my dad and I'll just kind of be sitting there bummed out, kind of defeated and I'll just be like, dad, like, I want OU to be like the bad boys. Like you would describe to me in the eighties. Like if, if that means like probation for two or three years, I just want them to be the badasses again. Like I, please and look there. They are badass. Like it's, that is, that is what fans that's how fans think. Cause I know there are a few uh, former players who listen to this and I'm sure they're probably already like getting mad and like, look, I am just a fan and uh, no more. I'm not parading as a media member here. I'm not parading as anything more than just a crazy fan. So just, Label me as such. That's all yeah. I'll say.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if you're like how time wise, how long you're wanting to go, but uh, I was, I did want to like talk about this year's team, at least for a few minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was one of the questions. What you're looking forward to or whatever. I mean, my dad and my brother and, I, and my, one of our cousins who's, who went to OU for grad school. So he's a big OU fan. We have a group text where we just talk about OU. And today we were talking about like, what we think people's like, certain player stats will be and all that stuff. So, it's been on my mind today. So I was going to just, I mean, I don't have a specific question, so I guess that's not a very good way to introduce uh, this, the topic, but I was just going to talk about this year's team a little bit, at least as far as what you think about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was uh one of the questions I had for you. So uh, just going into this year, like the first question is kind of the easy one. Like, are you like me and kind of afraid of the fact that you're going to actually believe this year and maybe you believed Two three years ago, 2017, 2018, uh, I did not think this team legitimately is going to win a national title going into any of those years. Um, they, as the season went along, I started to believe that. But I did not walk in day one thinking, "Nope, this team should win a national championship," because that's how I feel this year. And there's a lot of excitement with that. But there's also a lot of fear of like, "Oh God, mm-hmm. if they don't if they don't beat." To lane 48 to three, I'm going to be like, Oh, what's going on? Like what, like all those already controversy in Norman, but I mean, are you afraid of that pressure as a fan?
1: I 100% like it's, <laughs> it's like a curse that I'm like, I know a lot about the, like the program and follow it so closely and recruiting so closely and all that stuff, because it's like, I've been looking forward to this season at least a year, like during the Jalen hurts year, it's like, okay, well really in 2021, it's going to be the year. Like yep. that's where together not the 19 recruiting class will be in their junior their third seasons all that stuff like we'll have these guys back I didn't even know about guys like Perry on Winfrey and Benito emerging all that stuff but so as that those kind of things happened last year it's like man even more so but uh, oh I, I yes I absolutely feel the same way and know exactly what you're talking about
0: yeah because the easy thing to say like to compare it to is like that of that the life of an OSU fan where they sometimes have expectations, but for the most part, they they'll win their games, especially under Mike Gundy. But a lot of times it's just like fun. Like, oh, we won. that That's exciting. Oh, we lost. Well, that, that's all I've kind of known. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for what it is now. And it just becomes what what it actually should be, which is just a fun, relaxing, exciting thing to do on a Saturday in the fall. But, you know, compared to the life of a crazy OU fan like me, it's like they must win every possession. They must beat them without mercy because if they struggle then they're going to lose some ground in the minds of the committee or the rankings and everything matters and it's just everything hinges on this play and
1: it's funny it's like it's almost kind of a family joke now but like there's been many times throughout our my life that like we'll be watching a get a ou game or whatever and my dad will you know yell about a play or whatever and my mom will walk in she'll be like what are y'all are winning by 20 21 (laughs) whatever and he's like it, I demand perfection. He's, he's just, <laughs> demand perfection. <laughs>
0: no, it's. Uh, I mean, my mom, like over the. I remember being a kid, and she would, <laughs> when Baylor was truly Baylor before they had ever beaten OU before the Robert Griffin year in 2011. Uh, you know that that was always like a game. OU would win 52 to three, 52 to nothing. You know, mm-hmm. and like by the third or fourth touchdown, we, my dad, my little watch party. Like when I was in high school, we would just kind of like, yay, you know, because the game got boring. Yeah. and you know we like it was like the defensive plays that we would get like truly excited for, and then my mom would kind of walk through the living room and just go, "Oh poor Baylor, and then that would just like really affect me, like don't make this <laughs> sensitive personal thing. I want to destroy them. I don't care who they are they they're they're adults, they're adults yeah. that can handle this. <laughs> no, nah, but it's um, again, it's a spoiled thing to. Enjoy. It's a spoil, spoil thing to be afraid of, like that pressure as a fan, because I can only imagine how the, the pressure of a player or a coach is. And again, I, I didn't play, so I can only imagine it. But I guess more specifically to the season itself, like what player are you truly excited to see? I mean, is it something where you are like a player that we're fairly confident in being who we think they are, like a Spencer Rattler. Like, we know he's going to make developments. We know he's going to improve on some things just by virtue of having more reps under his belt, more experience. But is there, like, a player that like, maybe a true freshman that could explode onto the scene that you're excited for? Or is it a player like a a Nick Benito where everybody saw how good he was last year, but he didn't necessarily have, like, the, that's my, that's the game I'm showing the NFL scouts. Mm-hmm. Or he didn't necessarily have a lot of the national preseason pub to go along with it. Like, this could be very well, like, Hey, you talk about Perry on Winfrey. You talk about Key Lawrence. You talk about whoever on this defense, but Nick Benito is the All American candidate, and I truly think that he could be that type of player this year. But is there a player, another player that sticks out for you?
1: Uh, I mean, oh man, I could probably name a bunch, but the first guy that comes to mind is, uh, and I think a lot of OE fans are really wanting this to happen, this to come true. But I'm like still in his corner, Jaden Hazelwood. Uh, I for some like I, I tend to like get find one or two guys in, in a recruiting class that I like lock on that I I don't know for some whatever reason I kind of lock on to, like man I'm really hoping that guy pinned up and obviously he was a very big deal so it's not like I it's not like he was some like oh that he's not talked about but he I think he could turn out good you know but I've just been very excited about him since he got there and obviously you know his first year he was behind CD kind of and you know the whole Jalen hurts being quarterback thing and then last year, the injury and all that stuff. And so he hasn't really gotten the opportunity, but I mean, if he's healthy, which is, seems to be unknown for whatever reason, whether he's back or like to hundred percent or whether he's not the same, whatever, I'm choosing to believe that he will be 100% uh, by the time the season comes around and that he's still capable of what we thought that he was going to be capable of when he came in in 2019, uh, in the 2019 class. So he's my guy that I'm, like, rooting for the most and still, like, I still believe, I guess, put it that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a very odd, interesting career for Hazelwood, but, I mean, there's no doubt the talent that he has. It's just kind of like what I was talking about earlier with AD not being the starter in 2004, where we know the talent is there, and we know that we've seen flashes of it, but you just never truly know when the lights come on, there's 90,000 people in the stands. Can he be the guy and not just a luxury piece in the, in the receiving core where he had a CD lamb his freshman year. And last year was kind of a wash because he was hurt until the last three or four games of the season. And then anything he did was kind of just a cherry on top. Cause there's no expectation for a player that missed that much time. Uh, but with Jaden, it just kind of becomes this thing where if he's in the breath of what we have expected him to be, the no, yous going to be fine you know, like OU's going to have their, their guy, they're going to have their CD lamb, their, their Hollywood Brown, the guy that Spencer can lock onto when he gets in trouble. And then everything else will kind of fall into place there. Like Theo Weasel, he'll have a positive influence from that. Drake Stoops will Mario Williams, if he gets time, I mean, anybody in this receiving core that catches the football is going to thrive off the fact that Jaden Hazelwood reaches his potential. So he's very important for this year. Uh, Is there anybody on defense? Uh,
1: On defense? Um, well, I mean, I, I'm a. I I mean, the defensive linemen—they're probably the easiest answer because they're so fun to watch. It's very good, but I I'll say DJ Graham. I know he showed us a lot. Like he showed a lot of flashes like, towards the end of the year. um Some of those were kind of in garbage time, but some of them were not. I I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna end up being like. Um, I mean, the, like the best corner on the team. I guess I could say. I think he's really good and gonna be get get even better um like because i mean he's only this last year he was a true freshman so and he didn't he gained experience as the year went on obviously because he started to play more and more but i think he's going to be i'm very excited about him this year i think he's going to be a dude
0: yeah and i think one of the more exciting things about this defense is any fan can have like if someone were to ask you i want you to rank the 11 best players on this defense like according to position so basically if you want your best players on the field on a third and third and short, who you putting out there or third and long, you know, cause situational football is situational football, but uh, you want your 11 best players out there. I think in recent years, you could easily have that list and a lot of fans would probably agree because like the depth just simply wasn't there, but because the depth is there, I have an idea who my 11 guys are, but I know for a fact by game two, three or four, it's going to be completely different. Yeah. Cause somebody is going to emerge, whether that's because of an unfortunate injury, which I hope doesn't happen or if just someone just simply takes it from a starter because Mm -hmm. they kick ass on the practice field and they kick ass on, uh, on game day. Like we can finally look at that as an OU fan. We can finally look towards, there's going to be a lot of unknown excitement with this defense that we know is inevitable. It's no longer, gosh, I hope they get a turnover. or Gosh, I hope they make enough stops. Like it is just, no, we're going to have another DJ Graham where we do not expect him to be like Who's DJ Graham? Who is that? Oh my God, he's one of the best cover corners that OU has. All of a sudden, and he was recruited as a receiver. But yeah. there's going to be more of that. That's so exciting.
1: I mean, I, th- I, I think about a guy like Latrell McCutcheon. He's not. He would. He's not a guy who would be coming out of nowhere like DJ Graham kind of was because he was a big time recruit. But he, I mean, he's a, he's still a true freshman, and if he had a big impact on this season, I wouldn't be surprised one bit. But yeah, it's 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 nice to have guys like to have depth and to have coaches on that side of the ball who are like, dude, if you screw up, you're coming out because there's somebody behind you who I'm putting in there. Yeah. Uh, so both of those things are, and I think those are very necessary if you're going to uh, to be as good as you, as, as you want to be.
0: Not not a bookie fan. I would imagine Mr. Alex Philbrick, just by that uh, last few cents.
1: I, uh, <laughs> I, I think he, people were too, a little bit too harsh on him. I will say I, I in my opinion, but he just didn't. He, he didn't didn't live up to the to the hype, which that's not all his fault. But yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I, I'm not cry, I'm not shedding tears over over him being gone. Although that's probably the biggest question on the defense is that is that nickel spot. But I think we'll be fine. I mean, I, I don't think it'll be. I
0: mean, I mean hash, be hashtag Billy Bowman for Heisman, right? Is that what we're all? <laughs> no. If he's if he can do it,
1: if he's if he's uh physical enough to do it, I'll be. You know, I, I hope, I hope he can do it. I guess it'll be either be him or Cradell likely, but I guess maybe he Lawrence could, or he, he or or um, Justin Harrington can maybe get a look there, but I would think yeah. it's between
0: those two Bowman and Cradell. You think, OU has one inexplicable loss this year. Or do you think they navigate the, the regular season?
1: It, I, I don't know that I can separate my fan, my fanness from that, from, from that, for that question. I, Obviously, history tells us that they will, but as I look at the schedule, I don't see a loss. Of it and probably most people would say the same thing. Uh, but I'll, when I when I look at the schedule and I try to find, okay, what's that inexplicable loss? Like, what would what would that? I feel like I name like five teams because it's it, I'm just trying to prepare myself for anything. Uh, I I will be shocked if it's Kansas State again. There's no way that it happens um but i I maybe at baylor i don't know maybe uh west virginia because just like based on the timing of the schedule i don't i don't know what about you do you are you anticipating that or do you
0: yeah i think i think the only thing that I can project because what we can't project is OU shows up on a random Saturday and they are just not the team that we've seen the entire year. Like your Kansas state games that have happened over the last two years, Kansas state did what well, they played well. They earned some things, but there's no doubt. OU just simply slept walk in about half of those two games. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, we cannot project that, but what I can look at is, The regular season schedule, and that they play eight or nine games in a row before a bye week. Yeah. Like that's going to have some type of influence. Now, will it be strong enough to, you know, make OU like strongly influence OU to have a loss? I don't know. But even when they come back from that bye week, like, did they lose any rhythm by just suddenly stopping after playing for two straight months? Like, that to me is the biggest concern because the talent and the coaching is so much better across the board compared to their opponents up until that bye week that I'm just like, they shouldn't win. They they shouldn't lose any game and they should win a lot of these games by like double digits fairly comfortably.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I will say, I do. I think that the defense being what we expect it to be will help the, like help avoid those that inexplicable loss a lot more than it has in the past however many years Uh, because it's hard to imagine the offense being like so bad in a game that we lose like 28 to 24 or whatever, you know, in the, in the past, those losses have been like 40 to 38, 45, 41, whatever. Uh, And I just, it's hard to imagine anybody, especially on the regular season schedule scoring honestly over 30 points against us, but at least scoring enough to, to beat us in a, in, a, in an inexplicable way where the offense puts up points uh, on the board. But your your point about the bye week being so late in the year is, yeah, that's something that is a little bit worrisome too. I mean, it's not first week of November. Um, and then right after that, well, another thing I don't like about the schedule is that we play Iowa State the second to last game because it's like, I mean, there's a very good chance that it's like Iowa State, Bedlam, Iowa State again. I just don't really like I I don't know why I'd feel that way, but I just don't really like the play in the three weeks span. I don't know why the Big Twelve scheduled it like that, but I don't know why the Big Twelve does a lot of things that the Big Twelve
0: does. Yeah, I mean you compare it to like the Big Ten that just bent over more than backwards. Like they bent over uh, they bent over obtuse and then it somehow became acute and then they went full three sixty and bent over all the way more for Ohio State last year, and they changed the damn rules after the season started so that they can get their team into the playoff. Meanwhile, the big 12 gives Oklahoma two months straight of football, then a bye week And then, yeah, they potentially set up Iowa state, Oklahoma state, Iowa state for OU. So big 12 doesn't care. They're just like, Hey, we're just happy to be here essentially. And OU will, will utilize every th- every positive you give this conference, but we're not going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: I'm, I am glad Iowa state's at home uh, in, in the regular season. So, and maybe they won't be there. Who knows? I feel like the, I, I, I could see them having kind of taken a step back, uh, but not, they t- returned so many starters that it's kind of, I mean, obviously OU and Iowa state are the, the favorites to, to meet in the big 12 championship. So
0: I guess we'll see if it happens. Last thing before I get you out of here, Alex, and of course you can follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Philbrook. And it's p h uh, i l b r i c k. If you'd like to follow our new good friend, Alex, uh, it's the name association game, you know, whatever we want to call it. So, I'll say a player, I'll say a coach. And then just one word, one sentence that kind of comes to mind when I say it, Alan Patrick. Rose. <laughs> you can, you can expound.
1: I just, that's what I think of. I don't know why I, I, I well, obviously I do know why cause he had cornrows, but uh, yeah, my, there's, there's no other explanation. That, and that was a terrible, uh, terrible start to your game which i apologize for but
0: oh no no no! that's kind of the point I, I don't want to say adrian peterson we spent we talked about him for 15 minutes i don't want to say sam bradford because that's easy. no i'm saying my answer was the
1: terrible not your question
0: oh, i mean i'm just helping you get along just inch by inch don't worry about it so we'll get to the end don't worry oh mm-hmm. uh, let's say 2007 year so the 2007 season reggie smith
1: Reggie Smith. The, I'm 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 sorry that I suck at this game. The first thing that's coming to mind is just these players' numbers. I'm just like number three, number two. Yeah, there you go. Like, Reggie Smith, I don't know. He, he was an Oklahoma kid, right? Yeah, he
0: was from Eben Santa Fe, I believe.
1: Uh, he, I, I, I do remember him being uh, – like, people being excited about him as a recruit because he was a highly recruited guy and he was an in-state guy. Uh, but – Yes, yeah, so that, that those are what I think of whenever I think of him. His number, which is
0: very lame, but I, I, I remember.
1: Yeah, that's what I think of.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll go a little bit l- later in the year. So let's go Sterling Shepard.
1: I know this is too long of an answer. When I think of Sterling Shepard, I think of how every single OU game, the commentators on TV mention his dad being a former Sooner. <laughs> yeah. And- how Bob took him in as a kid and all that stuff. Every single game. It's just like how every single game, Austin. they have to talk about how Austin Cyber kicks and punts and how Baker Mayfield was a former walk-on. Without fault, without fail, those are going to be mentioned every time those guys come on the screen.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, a- as a – I mean, I'm not a TV broadcaster. Uh, I broadcast on the radio every once in a while. I think I'll be on the morning show on the franchise next week. But as a broadcaster, like, yeah, you 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 accidentally fall into like rehashing cliches because you're talking live and you have to constantly say something, you have to constantly constantly think of something. And when there's a lull or when there's something you don't necessarily know when there's a point where you don't necessarily know to say, oh, maybe it was a walk on. And then that kind of starts a tangent that you can spend a minute or two on in between plays or in between quarters. So, yeah. But to the viewer, it's like, we know. We know. We know you're probably talking to the casual national fan who isn't a diehard OU fan, but as the diehard OU fan that watches Baker Mayfield play 30 games throughout his career, it's like we know. Please move on.
1: But the the, the snippet answer for Sterling Shepard would be Tennessee game that uh f- 2015 Tennessee game at Tennessee when he made those uh that touchdown overtime where he like you know that where he like jumped at the goal line, you know, and then he made that at the end of regulation, that kind of diving backwards, touchdown in the corner of the end zone. That's the game that first comes to mind when I think of of Sterling Shepard.
0: Yeah. Shep just made, he's one of the more, not, not overly praised, but like one of the more iconic Sooners I can think of because that dude just made winning plays like Tennessee, um, Notre Dame on the, game winning touchdown and the two-point conversion to seal it like he caught those he caught those uh passes and ran it I think it was like a 60yard touchdown pass from Blake uh, Blake Bell um the sugar Bowl against Alabama he took the reverse in and got unfairly uh flagged for a throat yeah. cut and he was doing the Superman thing that cam Newton does every damn day back then uh I'm trying what else it, I mean all he did was make plays and um, a lot of winning plays in big moments and Shepard just kind of gets, I think I'm fairly forgotten. Like people go like Mark Clayton for a lot of obvious reasons, CeeDee Lamb, Hollywood Brown, Malcolm Kelly. And it's like Shep, all he did was make winning plays. And yeah. may- maybe in the future, like that'll be like once his playing days are over in the NFL, people will kind of also remember all those plays. Yeah,
1: and I think part of that too is because he played with Blake Bell and uh Trevor Knight for two of his two of his seasons. I mean, if, imagine if he was born 2 years later and he played his whole career with Baker or, oh. or like, I mean, he would be yeah, we would he would probably be known as the great greatest or top 3 receivers in in school history for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, a lot of a lot of sports is just kind of dumb luck of, were you born at the right time? Did you get drafted by the right team? Did you commit to the right school at the right time? Did you have the right quarterback? And he had one year of Landry Jones as a luxury ride receiver. Um, he was not like a full on starter in 2012. And then yeah, like he went through the 2012 or the 2013 and 2014 years, and then Baker showed up his senior year. And then we saw what, man, this is what Shep could have been his entire career if he had yeah. a Baker Mayfield, but you know, yeah. sometimes it's just uh dumb luck, but, uh, Alex, that was fun, man. That was really good. I, I appreciated, um, I appreciate that you had a question locked and loaded for the podcast. And I always welcome talking like 15, 20 minutes about Adrian Peterson. So this was a great show, man. I appreciate it.
1: No, I, I appreciate you letting me, let me come on and do this. I, I enjoy talking OE football at any time, but especially with somebody who, uh, who can, you know, match me as far as like knowing things and being able to just talk, uh, like the way that I want to, instead of having to just, you know yeah OU Texas that's about it but yeah I appreciate having me on I I love y'all's podcast and uh I look forward to continuing listening to it
0: awesome well yeah thank you so much for listening to the podcast truly truly appreciate that um you know it's we record these things in my apartment with just the two of us and then I press a few buttons and I cut a few things and then I upload it and then it's just it's out there and I, like I said, I have an idea of how many people listen. I don't get the exact number, but a lot of it is just, I hope somebody's listening. I hope someone cares. And so, I mean, a lot of these OU fan interviews are not necessarily, we're trying to pat ourselves on the back, but you know, there are a bunch of podcasts that I listen to like big ones. And I'd always love the chance to like jump on and just say, Hey, thanks for doing this because I understand how much work goes into this. And thank you for entertaining me. And I am not the entertainment. Keegan's not the entertainment like OU football is, and we understand that. But um, it does mean a lot to know that you and other people are listening and care. So you know that's my soapbox. I'm I'm going to be corny for a few seconds. That's my time.
1: No, definitely. I I mean, I listen to po- I listen to podcasts a lot, but, and I try to find any OU podcast I can. But the the two that I'm like listening to every episode are this one and and uh, unofficial forty. So oh yeah, but, yeah, definitely keep keep doing it and and hopefully keep growing it and all that stuff but yeah either way it's uh it's it's very fun to listen to for me
0: awesome and if you are ever for whatever reason you're down in oklahoma city alex um you know we will go to vanessa house on 10th and broadway or 8th and broadway excuse me um on thursdays for inside ou so if you're ever in 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 town just hit hit us up let us know and we can uh, have a beer or two or whatever whatever float your boat so yeah exactly Well, Alex, thank you very much. Everybody, thank you so, so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. Uh, One more time, Patreon, patreon.com slash through the keyhole gets you extra OU uh, football podcasts from Keegan and I, as well as extra football content. Uh, Alex mentioned the uh, live Zoom watch film review that Keegan does on Sundays. Uh, We do that along with a bunch of other things that we'll eventually do more as we get closer to the season. Uh, but we'll have that ni- that new podcast on through the keyhole uh, tomorrow night on Tuesday. And then of course we will have inside OU on Thursday from Vanessa house. So we got a lot to look forward to this week. Uh, but thank you very much for listening to Alex and I talk about OU fandom and even some of my OU fandom, <laughs> unfortunately uh, for those that already knew the story, but uh, I wanted to do Alex a solid and give him the hundred percent truth from me and me alone. So there's that. But everybody, thank you so much. And until next time, we'll talk to you later.